Well, good morning. How are we doing? Oh, we're awake and ready. Yes. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Well, for those of you that don't know, my name is Rob Peterman. I am a minister here on staff at FBC Louisville. Usually I am up here on a weekly basis getting the privilege of worshiping with you guys, singing and playing the guitar. But this morning I am excited and thankful for the opportunity to teach. We begin a new series over these next couple of weeks called The Art of Neighboring. And we're going to explore what it looks like for us to take and live out Jesus' command to love our neighbor. My hope and prayer over these next couple of weeks as we unpack this is that we, the people of FBC Louisville, every Sunday would walk out these doors, encouraged and equipped, ready to step into the mission and work that God has prepared for us to do. And I can think of no better place for us to begin that work than in our homes and in our neighborhood. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to be jumping around a bit this morning, but we're mainly going to be in Matthew 22 and in Luke 10. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from the pew in front of you, or you can just follow along on our screens. So before we even get into our main passage this morning, I want to establish a foundation for us to build off of. I want to start by telling you that if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus, that you are the best equipped minister to reach those around you. It's it's not Preben, it's not Troy, it's not Wayne, it's not any other minister here on staff. You are the best equipped minister to reach those around you. Why? Because God calls you to it, God equips you for it, and God has placed you where you are with that purpose. You are the best equipped minister to reach those around you because you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? In 2009, in the Denver area, a group of pastors began to meet, to dream and pray about how they could reach their community. How they could love on their community. And and part of that gathering, they invited a local mayor to join them. Because they wanted to find out, hey, where are the places where we can show God's love to our community? And And I might stop here and add that this is a goal that is common for us here at FBC Louisville. And at many churches in our area. And as they began to meet and discuss... They began to develop this list of needs and issues that are that you'll find in almost any city. At-risk youth, run-down areas of town, substance abuse, loneliness, elderly shut-ins, and their list went on. To their surprise, during their conversation, the, the mayor interjected and he said this. 
The majority of issues that our community is facing would be eliminated or drastically reduced if we just figure out a way to become a community of great neighbors. A government official in a room full of pastors drops a pearl of wisdom that silences their discussion and points their hearts towards neighboring. And what's interesting about this, this is exactly what Jesus does in the great commandment. Whether he realized it or not, the mayor was basically telling them to live out the second part of the great commandment. So if you have your Bibles, Matthew 22, we're going to pick it up in verse 34, but a little bit of context here. Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem. And this is days before his crucifixion. But at this point in the story, the people are celebrating him. However, the religious leaders were not. Worried about losing their power and influence, they were beginning to question Jesus' authority and teaching. And they're, they're in the temple, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were looking for ways to discredit Jesus. And within this passage, it says that they were plotting how to entangle him in his words. And they kept going back and forth with questions meant to trap Jesus. And each time, though, Jesus would respond and shut them down. And in the middle of these proceedings, we find the great commandment. Matthew 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and prophets. So let's just stop here for a second and consider what Jesus is saying. In the entirety of Scripture, there are many commands. And a command is defined as an authoritative order. It's not something you consider doing, it's something you are expected to do. And in the Jewish law, what we would read in the Old Testament, there are 613 commands. In the New Testament, of all the commands given, Jesus spoke 49 of them. Out of everything that we read in the Bible, Jesus, when asked what the most important command is, gives us these two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And second, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says there's no other commandment greater than these. So for us this morning, don't you think that we should pay attention to what Jesus says is the most important thing? When we only have a limited amount of time in this life, to do a few things really well, shouldn't we make sure 
that one of them is the thing that Jesus says matters most. So I've got two questions for us this morning. Who is my neighbor? And how do I love my neighbor? And I don't want to gloss over the first part of this command. Because I believe it's what allows for the second part to happen. In fact, these two things cannot be separated. To love our neighbors well, as Jesus calls us to, we must surrender and submit our lives fully to the authority and mission of Jesus Christ. And this is a submission that is driven by love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. You see, love in this sense is not just a feeling for God. It is an aligning of our heart and our will to that of God. You see, we cannot hope to love our neighbors in the way Jesus calls to out of our own resources. It can only be done by the work Christ does in us and through us. The command to love our neighbor lies at the very core of God's plan for our lives. You are the best equipped minister to reach those around you because God has called you to it and God equips you for it. So let's try to answer this question. Who is my neighbor? If you'll turn to Luke 10 will be starting in verse 25 and we pick it up where Jesus is having a conversation with yet another lawyer who has yet another question for Jesus. Lawyers, it seems, have lots of questions. And so we pick it up in verse 25 and it says this, Luke 10, 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How how do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, He had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. 
I wish we had time to really unpack this passage. However, I just want to highlight a few things. The lawyer, in asking the question, was both testing Jesus and looking to justify himself. You could even say that he was possibly looking for a loophole. He was looking for a way to define that word neighbor in such a way that would absolve him from being held accountable. How often do I do this? And maybe you've had these questions as well sometimes in your heart. How far is too far? Or how far can I go and still be okay? How little do I have to do and still be okay and be considered obedient? The second thing is this. Jesus is expanding the lawyer's concept and ours of who a neighbor is. He's saying that even our enemies should be considered our neighbor. You see, to use a Samaritan as the hero in this story, and then the priest and the Levite as the negative models, it would have caused the lawyer to perk up and listen. Because Samaritans and Jews mutually despised each other. They could not even be in the same room together. So to the lawyer, this would have seemed impossible, even shocking. Third, in verse 33, we see that the Samaritan had compassion for the beaten man. And the word used here is the same word that we see used every time Jesus encountered somebody who was in need. It says that he had compassion. And that word literally means to be deeply moved in the bowels. For us, we could say that it turns our stomach. He felt deeply and empathetic to what he was witnessing so much that he couldn't ignore it and he was compelled to do something about it. Do you have compassion for your neighbors? See, the priest and the Levite actively avoided the situation. The religious leaders came. Maybe they were busy with their day. Maybe, maybe they were so focused on what they had to do that they just didn't have time. Regardless, they came upon the beaten man. And what does it say? They crossed over to the other side and avoided it and avoiding the responsibility of helping. And there's a phrase that I have read recently that has been chewing at me and convicting me. And it is this. Love takes time and hurried people don't have time are you interruptible see I get, I get trapped in this all the time I get going through my day and I get tunnel vision with the things I have to do the responsibilities I have to take care of And I miss out 
on opportunities to love those that God has put in my path. But the Samaritan, his actions went above and beyond because he met the physical, the material, the financial, and emotional needs of the man that God put in his path. So stop for just a moment as we ask, who is my neighbor? Think about the people that God has put in your path. In this story, the neighbor is not defined by a geographical location. It's, it's not somebody that lived next to him or even a couple streets down. This was a stranger, possibly an enemy of his. Yet the Samaritan still demonstrated love. So what does this mean for us? How do we answer this question, who is my neighbor? Is it just the people that we pass by that are in need? Is everyone to be considered our our neighbor? Or is it just our literal neighbor, the ones that live next to us? And I know many of you might be thinking to yourself, according to this story, my, my coworkers, the parents on my kids' team, the person I volunteered with, they're all my neighbors. And, and that's 100% true this morning. However, this doesn't lessen the fact that our literal neighbors are still our neighbors. Remember, to love our neighbors as ourselves, we must first love God with all our being. That's the command. Loving God, in turn, enables us to love others. This applies to both our literal neighbors and our metaphorical ones. You know, the ones that may only cross our paths for a moment. But we've got to be mindful of this. Because if we walk out the doors today... And insist that everyone is our neighbor, then we risk missing opportunities that may be right in front of us. If we aim for everything, we risk hitting nothing. So we're going to dial this in. Who's my neighbor? Well, neighboring starts in our hearts. And this is where we need to check our motives. This is not about growing FBC Louisville, though I believe if we take the great commandment literally, it will have that impact. It's about loving our neighbor, period. This is not an evangelism program, though the most important thing that we can share with our neighbors is the message of the gospel. Your neighbors are not projects. But if neighboring begins in our hearts, then naturally love will be our motive. We should have compassion for them. We should be burdened for them. And to do this, we have to see others in the same way that Jesus sees us all. Because everyone you encounter from day to day is an image bearer. Just as you are, they were made in the image of God. And as image bearers, we have dignity. We have worth.
And that is unrelated to anything we have ever done, we are doing, or will do. We have value because we are reflections of God. And I want you to hear this. Your neighbor has value because they are a reflection of God. We don't love our neighbors to convert them. We love our neighbors because we are converted. Point blank, the call to love our neighbors as ourselves ends right there. There's no other expectations. Loving your neighbor is an end in itself. As we try to answer this question, who is my neighbor? How do I love my neighbor? Well, start where you are and work out from there. Begin with those who live closest to you, your literal neighbors. In Acts 1.8, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he tells the apostles this, that you will receive power When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the end of the earth. Jesus gives them direction in their mission for them and us. It is a global mission, right? We work out from where we are, from the city to the state, to the nation, to the world. But we can apply that same wisdom when it comes to neighboring. Start where you are and move out from there, from your home to your neighborhood, to the places you work, to the places you hang out. Because I believe this, in Christ, our capacity to love our neighbors is always expanding. You are the best equipped minister to reach those around you Because God calls you to it, God equips you for it, and he has placed you there no matter where there is. In Acts 17, we see the story about Paul. He has familiarized himself with the the traditions and culture of Athens. And he sees this opportunity to engage his new neighbors with the gospel. And as he walked around the city, it says that he was observing their many objects of worship. And he came across this one altar that had this inscription that said, to the unknown God. And he uses this to point his new neighbors to the one true God. And in doing so, he establishes God's authority over all things, even where we live. And so I'll be in Acts 17, starting in verse 24. He says this, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath And everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. And catch this 
having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet, he is actually not far from each one of us. As a follower of Christ, you are the best equipped minister to reach those around you because God calls you to it, God equips you for it, and God has placed you there with purpose, with a mission, his mission. You know, our neighbors, sometimes they can be difficult. They're not just the ones that we get along with. I'm sure we all have that uh, one neighbor. Some of you are picturing that one neighbor right now. But see, this is where Jesus expanding our definition of neighboring helps. Because it's easy to spend time with and and love the people that are like-minded. Yet that's not always the case with our neighbors. Our neighbors, real and metaphorical, are not always people who look like us, sound like us, or think like us. Our neighbors come from different backgrounds, beliefs, and cultures. It can make things awkward and difficult at times. But if love is our motive and we are giving out of Jesus' resources, not our own, we will see God do what only he can do. So how do we do this? How can we begin to love our neighbors better? I want to give you a couple tools just to help structure how we can love our neighbor. And and here's the goal. Starting where you are and working out from there, the, the goal is to be a catalyst for you and others to move from stranger to acquaintance, from acquaintance to relationship and from a relationship into community. It, it helps us move the great commandment from just a theory into real world practice. And so from stranger to acquaintance. This is where it gets a little tough for us. On our worship guide this morning, you're going to find a link to a blank block map. And it's going to be up here on the screens as well. And when you get home, I want to encourage you to download Download it, print it, work through it. Um, you'll find a grid. And at, at the middle of the grid, you're going to find a house. And, and I want you to imagine that that's your house. Now, your house, how it's set up in your community may look different. The, the goal here is to think about our eight closest neighbors. And from memory to try and if you imagine in each box for each neighbor that you put one, two, three or ABC is to try and fill out their information, what you know about them. Start with that first number and say, okay, do I know their names? Second, a little bit more. Uh, what do I know about them? Where do they work? What are the things they like to do? And then you even dive down a little further into to that third point where we go, hey, what motivates them? What, what are their career goals? What are the things that, they, that get them up in the morning and going? How much do we know about our neighbors? And, and maybe you're sitting here this morning as you're looking at this and you go, man, I know quite a bit about my neighbors. 
Or maybe you're on the other end of that spectrum. You're like, I really don't know much about my neighbors. That's okay. Our prayer is that wherever you are in this spectrum, you'll begin to take steps towards loving your neighbor more. So I encourage you to download this, print it out, and start seeing what you know about your neighbors. But if we want to move from stranger to acquaintance and acquaintance to relationship, to fill in these blank spots, your first step to loving your neighbor is getting to know their names. I'm terrible at remembering names. Anybody else? Just me? Okay, good. There's my people. Yes. I, I don't know if it's my ADHD, but there are times that I will be talking to somebody. They introduce themselves. I turn this way. I look back and it's just a blank face. I'm like, I can't remember. So I have to look. If we're going to love our neighbors well, we have to know their names. And this is groundbreaking stuff here, people. This is going to blow your mind. The first step to getting to know their names is ask them. Whoa, right? And in my case, ask them again and then ask them again and then ask them again. But the second part is this. Begin to pray for them by name. Pray for your neighbors by name on a regular basis. As you learn their names, use their names. As you see your neighbor out and about, look for opportunities to greet them by name. And then start to look for ways for you to check in on your neighbor. As those opportunities present themselves, and remember love being our motive, having compassion for them. Listen to what they share and then go to God and pray for them. Brad Williamson shared this quote with me a couple of years ago, and I love it. It's become one of my favorite quotes. Listen to understand, not to respond. Because as we listen to our neighbors, as we have a heart for them, we'll become aware of more opportunities to serve them and love them. And many times this even opens the door to deeper conversations, even spiritual ones. As we move into relationship with our neighbor, remember this. Neighboring is a two-way street. Invite your neighbor into your story, no matter how messy it is. Seek their advice or help where they are gifted and able. See, the point is this, working through this block map can help kick off this progression that leads us from being strangers to acquaintances, from acquaintances to relationship, and then finally, inviting them into community. This is where we started. You are the most equipped minister to reach those around you because we have the ministry and mission of reconciliation. And if we really love our neighbors and ultimately we want them to know Jesus and we want to invite them into his community, the church, and we have to love our neighbors well. In his book, Concentric Circles of Concern, W. Oscar Thomas Jr. says this, 
My neighbor will not believe that I want to be in heaven with them if I do not want them in my home for dinner or if I do not say hello when we are in our front yards together. We have to know our neighbors before we can meet their needs. We're praying that God will expand our capacity to love our neighbors. So what does this mean for us as the church? Well, it, it even gives our events, the things that we do here at FBC Louisville, uh, it, it gives them a focus. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be having First Family Fun Fest here on our campus. And this is a great uh, event because it's an opportunity to engage kids and families from our diverse community right here in a fun and safe environment. And, and there's many ways that you can sign up, by the way, to help pull this event off. And there's going to be uh, a web address here that you can go to fbclewisville.org slash f4-outreach. And I encourage you to do so. But, okay, what does this have to do with neighboring? Well, what if our strategy to reach our community is to take the great commandment literally? As we host events on our campus like First Family Fun Fest or Taste of Christmas coming up that we invite our community in, what if alongside that we as a church committed to be better neighbors? Again, not as a means to attract larger numbers to the events, but to live out the command that Jesus says is the greatest. I believe a good neighbor trumps a good program any day. Large gatherings and programs, they they won't necessarily engage the people in our community who don't know God. But I guarantee you this, neighboring will. And this year, Julie has worked really hard to shift the focus of First Family Fun Fest to that goal. And if you visit that outreach page, not only will you be able to volunteer for our on-campus event, but you're going to find ways and ideas that you can engage your neighbors on Halloween night. Things that get us out, helping us to know and, and get to know our neighbors. And you can visit the F4 booth out here in the atrium as well and, and sign out a couple of games that will help you host an F4 at home on Halloween night. So as we wrap up our time, I want to read this from 2 Corinthians 5 and we'll be in verse 14. We see this calling for Christ followers. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. 
We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you catch that? I want you to hear this this morning, friends. If we are disciples of Jesus, we no longer live for ourselves. Instead, we live for Jesus who died for our sake and was raised. In that we are a new creation, reconciled to God through Christ. And we have been tasked with the ministry of reconciliation. This passage says that we are ambassadors. And that God makes his appeal to others through us. This echoes the mission given to disciples in Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And here's the promise right here. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You are the best equipped minister to reach those around you. Why? Because God calls you to it. God equips you for it. And he has placed you there with a mission, his mission. So as we close, I want us to spend some time in prayer. Specifically praying for our neighbors. And I hope through the spirit as, as we've gone through our time this morning that he has placed a name or face on your heart for you to reach out and be a neighbor to. As we pray, pray for the neighbors that you know. But also pray for opportunities to get to know the neighbors you don't. In both, pray that God would give you the desire to be in relationship with your neighbor. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this challenge this morning. God, that you have called us to love you with all our being and in that to love our neighbors as ourselves. God, I pray for the opportunities that will present themselves for us to get to know our neighbors. God, I pray that you would lead us in those. I pray that you would guide us in those. Father, that you would increase our capacity to love those around us. God, that we have a mission to go and make disciples. God, to step into the darkness of the world and shine your light. So God, we pray and ask that you help us in this. In your name, amen. As we stand, we have a time to respond this morning in worship. We have ministers who are up here. If you would like to pray with them or if you have a decision to make as well. Maybe you have heard God's call in your life for the first time to surrender to him. We're here. Maybe you're looking for a place to join and call your home. 
we invite you to come and join us. Maybe it's to follow through in believer's baptism. Whatever your decision is, we're here to help you walk through that. Let's continue to worship.